Cannibal stories have always been able to get audiences squirming in their seats at their exploits. The idea of eating human flesh is such an immediate trigger that it's a surefire way to enter the public's mind. Silence of the Lambs overtook Hollywood in 1991, and Hannibal Lecter became a household name due to his conniving cannibalistic ways. Even the recent film, Raw, overtook the independent horror world upon release. As soon as the idea of a human being eating another human being comes up, it's hard to make up a story that's anything but horrific. So imagine a cannibal movie from two subversive writers who have always made unique films. Today on the horror movie that almost was, we're going down the rabbit hole and taking a look at the Wachowski's cannibal film, Carnivore. Before The Matrix, before Bound, and before Assassins, the Wachowskis were just two nerds from Chicago. They wrote for Clive Barker's Razorline imprint, which was published by Marvel Comics. They contributed to both Barker's Hellraiser and Nightbreed comics, and seemed to have great success. In these pages, you can really see their subversive style seep through. This love for comics would definitely serve them later in their career. Combining their love of films with their love of writing, they decided to try their hand at screenwriting. So, like many up-and-coming filmmakers, they needed to nail down a story. Not only that, but they needed to nail down a genre. Having already worked in horror and equipped with the knowledge that horror is a good starting genre for any filmmaker due to the allowance of low budgets and an absurdly loyal fanbase, they got to work. The first screenplay they ever wrote together was a little story called Carnivore. Really getting to the point right away. While not a ton is known about the production side of why this film never came to be, what we do know is the story itself. And boy is it interesting. Coming in at 103 pages, the script features a lot of really fascinating moments, and there are hints of what would later become staples of the Wachowskis' work. The story is straightforward enough, with a drifter coming to a new city, in this case the bustling city of Chicago. A series of events leads him to a soup kitchen that serves delicious meats. Seeing as how I've already said this is a cannibal story, I'm sure you can guess what the delicious meats are. The eating of human flesh makes those that take part ravenous with every bite they take. The message is a clear allegory of the poor eating the rich, with the targets for the cannibalism being either terrible people or rich businessmen, and the clientele being homeless people. We have our lead, John Bunyan, and it's hard to tell whether he's actually a worthwhile character or not. You kind of see shades of Neo here, with them really giving him a blank canvas with which the viewer can project themselves onto. Then there's Ophelia, who is John's love interest and is really what drives the story forward. Without her, John would easily succumb to his lust for flesh. John meets her at the beginning of the story, where she's in a heated argument with her boyfriend Roman, and he saves her. Thankful for John's assistance, Ophelia takes him to the local soup kitchen, where she introduces him to Rex, the owner of the shelter. In exchange for work at the kitchen, Rex offers John a place at the shelter, which the wandering John graciously accepts. But John starts to notice something is off about the mysterious meats which they serve. And so he investigates, and while he doesn't find the source of the meat, he does see Rex feeding the meat to a group of ravenous beings that gorge on the meat like animals. An insatiable bloodlust. 
But John can't be too bothered much with this because he's a desperate man and has nowhere else to turn to. Plus, things are getting more serious with Ophelia, and he doesn't take too kind to her ex-Roman terrorizing her, and even pissing in her apartment. Yeah, you heard that right. He literally pisses all over her apartment to get payback on her. He is the epitome of a loser. But somehow that problem solves itself and they stop hearing from Roman. Which means John now has to contend with this bloodlust he's gotten from eating the meat from the shelter. John's nights are constantly overtaken by nightmares. Images of flesh and blood. It's all John can think about. Even when he sees Ophelia, all he can do is resist the urge to bite into her soft and supple neck. Not wanting to hurt her, he's finally had enough and goes to Rex to find out what he can do to stop it. That's when he comes across Roman's body in the butcher block. So, I guess that's what happened to his sniveling ass. He runs off to Ophelia to tell her what's happening, only he can't. He's completely enraptured by the scent of her flesh. He even bites her. So, over a very short period, he goes from whistleblower of the cannibal soup kitchen all the way to just another one of the vagrants that attack the rich and bring them in to be slaughtered for meat. It's kind of an abrupt transition and doesn't completely work. Especially when Ophelia enters savior mode and tries to help John escape from the kitchen. It gets to be a little confusing as to just how motivated John and the other cannibals are to follow the cause unwillingly, as there doesn't appear to be anything controlling them outside of the phantom pole of human flesh. It's something that could be worked out further with another draft, but as written, it feels more for plot convenience versus logic. So Ophelia helps break John out of the soup kitchen, and he loses a hand in the process. He struggles to leave due to all the amazing human soup around him. He runs around and starts dumping pots of soup all to the floor. You can hear the homeless people outside the kitchen banging on the walls, wanting him to have the soup. Rex finally makes his appearance and thinks he can continue to control John with the meat. But instead, John takes the final pot of soup and dumps it all over Rex. This is when the homeless burst into the kitchen, ravenous for soup. Ophelia and John leave as the homeless converge on Rex, like lions pouncing on a wounded gazelle. The kitchen is no more, but its customers remain. It's a dark ending that can lead to a sequel if need be, though it appears to be done just to set up a more ominous feeling at the end rather than just to sequelize. This was the 90s after all. In terms of the budget, there isn't much of one needed here. This could have easily fit in with the films of early Cronenberg, and is a far cry from the CGI spectacles that would overtake the Wachowskis' later career. This could have easily been done on an independent film budget. The main point of contention would be whoever they hired for the practical effects, because the film really hinges on the gross-out moments to be hard-hitting. But the question remains, would the film have actually been any good? Based on the story, it definitely had potential. The main faults come from what is often the Wachowski's Achilles heel. The characters. Each feels like such a blank canvas that it's hard to latch onto any of them. Ophelia is treated pretty awful by both her ex and our lead man, John. Even if the latter is excused by the story by his carnivorous lust. It's just messy and doesn't make for a pleasant journey, especially once you factor in the subject matter. At its core, the story is about the lower class literally eating the higher class in order to survive. While, yes, it uses some very violent, disturbing tools to get the point across, the point is still very salient and ever-present. 
Once The Matrix released in 1999 and was a massive hit, studios were antsy to get from the creators of The Matrix onto their trailers. So old Wachowski scripts were dusted off and Carnivore was uncovered. Trimark Pictures purchased the screenplay and even entered negotiations with George A. Ramiro to direct the film. Because apparently he's the person to call when you've got flesh eaters of any variety. Unfortunately, as the hype for The Matrix died down, as did the desire to plaster the Wachowski's name on everything, Ramiro moved on to eventually return to his Living Dead franchise with Land of the Dead. But that didn't stop the Wachowskis, who were now on board as the producers for the project and set the film up at Lionsgate. In 2003, it was reported that the Wachowskis' director of photography, Bill Pope, would be making his directorial debut with the project. This is sadly the last that anything was officially stated about the script, and the film entered development purgatory. Pope has yet to direct a feature film, but he has been the director of photography for films such as Scott Pilgrim vs. The World and the upcoming Shang-Chi. So you know his proposed version of Carnivore would have been stylish at the very least. We may eventually see the release of Carnivore in some way. The Wachowskis, now Lily and Lana, are still very active in Hollywood, with Lily creating the show Work in Progress and Lana returning to the Matrix franchise with Matrix Resurrections. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that they eventually return to this, especially if the new Matrix is the massive success that everyone is expecting it to be. Either way, the Wachowskis entering the horror world would absolutely be something to look out for, whether that be with Carnivore or something else entirely. You can bet that it'll be original, a visual thrill ride, and maybe feature a bit of leather. Are there any unmade horror films that you want us to cover? Name the film below and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Horror Videos channel, tell your friends who like this sort of content, and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company, and we appreciate all of your support.